Hello, you're listening to the Chess Club Live podcast and uh, I'm Michael and I'm going to just discuss um, the area of intellectual property in chess. Intellectual property being um, the copyright owners and creators who create um, unique or extended features and functionality of all the things we we love about chess. I was actually looking the other day at Twitter and I saw a, a chap had created something he called Make Cube, which is effectively Rubik's Cube with chess pieces imprinted on the tiles. It was done ingeniously so that when you solve the cube and rotated the, the cube, you could actually solve mate. Um, you could exhaust it in pretty much a few minutes, but the point was that he'd actually thought this out. So I don't think he's <laughs> spoken to Rubik's Cube about using the Rubik's Cube, their creation and copyright, to do his make cube. I'm pretty sure it's in breach of the Rubik's Cube copyright. Make cube is in breach of Rubik's Cube copyright. I think that's clear. That's clear because um, some of the tweets had um, Rubik's Cube mentioned and there was a distinct lack of Rubik's Cube liking any of those tweets, which usually is a sign that they're not entirely happy with what's going on. But be that as it may, this chap was then reaching out and um, insisting that Chess Master Cube um, one of my creations was um, kind of rip off of, of his Make Cube, which doesn't make any sense because Make Cube is a Rubik's Cube with a load of pieces, um, not even a comprehensive selection of chess pieces um, around the, the tiles of the cube. It's a three by three by three cube and doesn't represent um, chess, it represents like at best a mini board and a Rubik's cube. So I think there are many versions of this make cube. Some are colored so that you can basically ignore the chess pieces and solve um, like a normal uh, three by three by three cube, which is a standard Rubik's cube. And others have the same color. Um, but then you have that in Rubik's cubes as well, where you have images and printed on the cube instead of the tiles being coloured. So you're in sticky territory anyway with that. But to then extend the fact that he's ripping off the Rubik's Cube to um, my Chess Master Cube, which is a software, which uh, is, yes, a cube, um, but it has an eight by eight board on each of the six sides of a cube. It doesn't um, rotate the axes of the cubes um, along um, the, the lines of a three by three by three cube like the Rubik's cube does, um, or indeed an eight by eight by eight cube. It simply just rotates as a cube as in a whole um, 3D shape, and then just presents a new puzzle each time you solve. Um, it could as well be a 2D representation 
of six um, chessboards, each showing a different puzzle. And in fact, that's how it started, um, as represented in a 2D version. It's what you guys call Puzzle Rush. Um, so I was just quite interested in the fact that somebody who's infringing on someone else's copyright then has the goal to say that somebody else is infringing on his copyright, which he doesn't own, and isn't even um, infringing on any copyright because the products aren't similar. It's like someone um, building a chair and then um, saying that someone who drew a chair or um, built a software chair, which is like a game of, um, you know, musical chairs or something, complaining that the chair in the musical chair software is the chair that he built. It's like insane, isn't it? It, it just doesn't compute. You can't argue the two things. No matter how similar the, the chair in the software looks, it's not used to sit down by people in physical space. So it, do, it doesn't represent the same uh, product. Whereas if I created an eight by eight by eight cube, which had chess pieces imprinted on the tiles um, and you rotate them to solve something or do some task or something that um, achieves a quote unquote solution on each side, then you could say and um, that this was very similar if it was a physical cube, which it isn't. So that got me thinking about intellectual property in general in chess because it isn't very well respected and the reason why I say this is I know of historic examples of where uh, people have generally gone out to just improve the the chess world with their innovations and been badly let down by um, copyright and effectively intellectual property theft um, one of the most um, kind of really egregious uh, examples of this is um, when Howard Staunton um, promoted a style of chess piece um, and it became known as the Staunton uh, style uh, of chess piece um, Staunton chess pieces when uh, it wasn't his style to have created it was a guy called uh, Nathaniel Cook who actually had a um, shop which was quite well known Jacks of London um, are very much part of that heritage um, and in fact they should really have cr credit his um, descendants and his um, estate should really have credit for those chess pieces but um, I mean, who's to say that Howard Staunton's contribution in popularising those chess pieces shouldn't be credited? But Nathaniel Cook's name should be in there somewhere. Another example of this is um, uh, Arapad Elo, um, who has been given credit for the Elo system of chess ratings. Um, now, Arapad Elo is kind of like a mathematician and um, took what was a quite sketchy rating system and made it mathematically robust. Um, 
It's a bit like what Lorenz did for Einstein's theories of relativity. But you wouldn't uh, assign uh, Einstein's theories to Lorenz, would you? But in the case of chess, yeah, it's ELO. It's an ELO rating system because ELO worked the maths out. So the intellectual property is very sketchy. Um, And um, in fact, uh, the person who did do the work on the ELO system, or the rating system, we now call the ELO rating system, is um, a guy called uh, Kenneth Harkness, who's actually a a Scottish guy, um, Scottish heritage, but uh, worked with the US Chess Federation and basically worked through a system where players would meet each other and then um, they'd exchange points. So in his system, the points were fixed. Um, There was no difference between a very highly rated player and a very lowly rated player. The the points that would be um, transferred between the two, I think it was like 10 points or something, would be the same if if there was a large rating gap initially between them or a very small one. Um, ELO effectively uh, created a um, normalization of this using the standard um, bell curve uh, theory of um, statistics to work out exactly what that uh, rating point difference should be, what you apply to each of them using um, a normal distribution. And uh, all credit to him, I mean, it was a lovely piece of maths. Um, It's now been applied to all rating systems in the entire world for any sports performance. Um, And so, you know, to be quite honest, he should should be able to take credit for all of that. But in terms of chess, he based his initial work on the work that was done by others, namely Kenneth Harkness. Um, And Kenneth deserves... uh, more than an honourable mention, he deserves to get credit for that um, and ELO joint credit for actually working through the detail. Um, but then Lorenz doesn't get credit for relativity, does he? Theory of relativity, but you know, be that as it may. Um, so let's just move on to um, to other things in chess where we're talking about like opening variations, opening variations that. Uh, one time are um, one player and then the next time um, another more modern player who really likes that opening and keeps playing it and then all of a sudden it becomes the new player Um, there are lots of examples of this Um, I think the work that Tromposky did in that variation um, Queen's um, pawn opening um, and who was historically one of the f- first people to um, to play bishop to g5 in, in that queen's pawn opening um, was kind of overtaken by Hodgson, at least in the in the British Isles. Um, so the Hodgson attacks and, um, and so forth is kind of muddies the waters uh, to that intellectual property. Um, you know, uh, other examples are littered across the, the chess world you just need to look at an opening uh, book of uh, variations and openings to see exactly what I'm talking about but um, I, I don't think it needs to be a zero-sum game I think intellectual property could be something that's collaborative 
and everybody gets invited to the party. Why should someone like me, who uh, avid listeners will know, created an app in 2008, which then um, evolved into what you guys now call Puzzle Rush, um, why should I be left out in the cold while chess.com, chess base, um, chess puzzle, uh, .net, um, play Magnus, Lee Chess, all create versions of this thing and all take credit for it and ignore the fact that I contributed to the very birth of this form of uh, chess puzzle app. Uh, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I've I've pretty much got over it. Um, I have other things that I've created, like this Chess Master Cube, which is unique. In fact, it's very difficult to pretend as if you created this, because, uh, well, unless you happen to be the owner of um, the Make Cube, um, because it's a spinning, rotating, uh, revolving cube in 3D virtual space, which has um, about... Uh, 15 million puzzles um, supplied to it and plenty more where that came from if that ever got exhausted in real time um, it just delivers these puzzles and I was able to work through um, the way to do this and deliver this with pretty much um, minimal lag because if you've got if you're sifting through a puzzle database of 15 million and you're exposing that to any number of users who can register on it. Um, and again, you register on it instantly. There's no um, email verification or anything like that. And um, you, can mul- you can register on multiple devices and be playing it simultaneously on multiple devices. Um, to, to do all that software engineering did take time. It did take a lot of testing. And... Um, you know, you deserve at least a passing comment that you created something like that. So this this is just um, really the discussion I had for you guys today and almost like a thought for the week um, or thought for the month. You know, what do we need to do as a chess community to bring back to the fold and bring back home all of those people who've um, worked really hard on uh, chess products and chess ideas and brought them to an actual working uh, product which was then maybe advanced or made sexier um, by another uh, set of people and then instead of giving the original people joint uh, credit for this we ignore them and we only talk about the people who made it really really sexy Um, I think that has to stop there has to be light shone on that. What it, that does is it discourages people who have genuine ideas, who just think, oh, I'm not gonna do this because I, I, I can't bear um, it being taken away from me. So there are people sat there with really good ideas who won't do them because they, they're just afraid of, of getting ripped off. They'd rather not do the idea than be ripped off, um, which, you know, you can, you can understand that the pain of seeing something you've done being given to someone else and their credit, them getting credit for it and you getting nothing. Um, people sort of even introducing it to you. I remember when um, in the height of all this controversy of uh, Puzzle Rush, um, I was having friends say, oh, have you seen this new app? It's called Puzzle Rush and it's, it's chess.com did this. 
I mean, the irony of the fact that you're talking to the guy who created the thing, who created the whole genre of this thing, and and uh, Chess.com applied their own interpretation of that genre, but they they were sent this working app that was strikingly similar to what they produced on called Puzzle Rush. Um, and that was me who sent that to them as part of a competition that I was competing in. Um, but that's um, that's history now. Let's move forward and let's make it so that um, the future um, chess creators and innovators don't have to face this kind of almost theft and duplicity by other people who bereft of any kind of creativity and instead just prey on people who um, perhaps maybe naively trusted them. I'd like to thank you for listening to my podcast and um, see you next time.